Exodus chapter number 12, and we'll begin uh, reading in verse number 1. Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible said, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Verse number four. And in the household be and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep and from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two posts, and on the upper doorposts of the house wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and the unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat now, eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where ye are and when I see the blood I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt and this day and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Heavenly Father I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy words, speak to our hearts these next few moments, encourage the saints and save the lost and we'll thank you for it in Jesus name we do pray Amen, Amen. You can be seated I want to preach this morning on this subject, on Calvary, the place of the Passover. Calvary, the place of the Passover. Our our text opens this morning placing great emphasis in verse number one on the men. The Bible said, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, You know, when God is going to speak, He's going to take His word and speak it through His man. God's word uh, uh, is the message, and God's man is the messenger. And so this text opens uh, uh, with these men. And God God always has had a man and God always will have a man uh, for uh, to deliver his message. And then uh, there is the month that's important in verse number two. The Bible said, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now it's in the springtime and it would be uh, what it would be uh, equal to our month of April. And so God is telling them that this uh, is going to be the beginning of the year uh, for you. And so there is the month, the Bible emphasis here. And then there's the multitude. Notice in verse number three, the Bible says, speaking unto all the congregation of Israel in the 10th day of this month. Now that's important this morning for this reason. God's pattern and God's principle has not changed, amen? God's always had a man, God's always had a people, and God's always had a message to deliver to his people. Us gathering here this 
this morning is not in vain. It's not formality. At least, at least not it is in the heart of those that are sincere. We've not just come here this morning to be able to say that we've went to church and ease our conscience, uh, but we've come to hear the word of God through the man of God uh, to hear God's message preached uh, unto the congregation. I just want you to see this morning that what we're doing is lining up with the word of God. Amen. But then there is the message in verse number three. And the message is this. Uh, he sent him this in the 10th day of this month. They shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, uh, a lamb for a house. Uh, if you want to know what the message is uh, in these verses that I've read this morning, the message is the lamb. Amen. The message is about the lamb. And I want to stop and say the message was about the lamb then and the message is about the lamb now. In fact, the message has always been about the lamb. Revelation chapter five says uh, that he was a lamb that was slain from the foundations of this world. If you want to know who the lamb is in this text, uh, he's the lamb of Calvary, amen? And the Passover here uh, is a foreshadow. It's a type uh, of what's going to take place or what has taken place uh, in Luke chapter number 23. I want to preach this morning again on that subject, Calvary, uh, the place of the Passover. You know that's what Calvary was. Uh, it was a fulfillment of what the Passover was telling them about and what the shadow that it was and the type that it was down through the years. Uh, Calvary was a fulfillment of the Passover. Amen. Now when we think about this this morning, I want you to see four quick things and we'll be through. I want you to see first of all uh, the preparation in these first 11 verses this morning because what God is doing here is he's telling the nation of Israel that they have to prepare for the Passover. And you say, well preacher, why is that so important with Calvary? Because Calvary was not an accident, amen? Calvary was not something that God just come up with uh, in the last moment uh, to deliver man and to help Jesus in the end. I wanna tell you what Calvary was. Uh, it was planned, amen? Calvary was prepared. Just like there has to be preparation for this Passover in Exodus chapter number 12, God had already made provision. God had already made preparation. There was a lamb that had already been chosen. He had already been picked out, just like in our text this morning. Amen. Calvary, the place of the Passover. In this preparation, notice, uh, I want you to see uh, uh, what is uh, uh, that this lamb here is shared in verse number four. He said, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. In other words, uh, if the lamb, notice this, if the household be too little for the lamb. In other words, if the lamb be too much, uh, what he can can do is he can go get his neighbor and their household and they can share the lamb. I want to tell you one day I met the lamb of God and I want to tell you he was too much for my household. Amen. In Acts chapter 16 uh, Paul told the Philippian jailer believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Uh, and that jailer took Paul down to the house. Uh, he preached the gospel to his household uh, and they got saved and they all got baptized. Amen. I'm going to tell you how big the lamb is this morning. Uh, just 
just like in this text. Uh, he's bigger than your household. Uh, and thank God you can share him with your neighbor. You can tell your neighbor what Jesus has done for you. Uh, uh, Calvary covers it all this morning. Uh, Calvary will save your house uh, and it'll save the ones next to you this morning. Amen. I see the lamb in this text that he has shared and then I see the lamb in verse number five that is selected. Look what he said in verse number five. He said, your lamb shall be without blemish. Uh, that's interesting this morning because this lamb, he's got to be without blemish. He's got to be spotless, amen? He's got to be inspected. You know, when Jesus started uh, that way to Calvary uh, from the time that Judas kissed him uh, with the kiss of betrayal and even the week before Calvary, you know what he was? What Jesus encountered the week even before Calvary? Uh, he was under constant surveillance uh, of those religious authorities. Uh, they were inspecting him. They were trying to find a blemish in him. When he went before Pilate, Pilate tried to find a blemish in him. You know what Pilate said? He said, I find no fault in him. There was no blemish in the lamb of Calvary, the lamb of the Passover then, just like the lamb of the Passover here. I want to say thank God Christ was selected. Amen. And then I want to say this lamb, he was secured. Look at verse number six and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. The Bible said that Jesus was taken from prison unto judgment, wasn't he? He was held captive by those that had uh, turned against him. The Lamb of the New Testament uh, my friend pits, uh, uh, fits the profile of the lambs of the Old Testament. The only difference is the lamb in the New Testament is a whole lot greater than all the lambs of the Old Testament. He was secured by God before he was ever secured by man. And then we notice in verse number six and seven that this lamb was slain. Amen. The Bible says, uh, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in in the evening. Everything right here is a picture of Calvary. The whole congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. If you go back and you look at everything, Jesus was a lamb that was selected, wasn't he? Jesus was a spotless lamb. Can I get an amen right there? Jesus was a male, just like the Bible says in verse number five, a male of the first year. Jesus was, uh, uh, my friend, killed by the whole congregation of Israel, just like in this text. Uh, it was the nation of Israel that, that Peter preached to and said, you've crucified the Lord of glory. You've killed the prophets and you've killed the Son of God. Uh, Paul spoke about that. It was the same crowd that killed these, these lambs here, that killed the Lamb of glory, amen? And just like in verse Verse number six, uh, these lambs died in the evening and Jesus died in the evening time. It's a picture. Calvary, the place of Passover. When you come to verse number seven, we find here that this lamb was slain, that his blood was shed, and that it was that it was put on the doorpost, uh, the upper doorpost of the house wherein they shall eat it. And they ate the flesh in that night. The Bible says in verse number eight, they did not eat it raw nor sodden with water, but they roasted it with fire. And at Calvary, uh, Jesus endured the fire of God's judgment on the cross. Uh, at Calvary, Jesus shed his blood on the cross. Uh, at Calvary, my friend, uh, 
Jesus was a lamb that died in the evening time. This lamb had to be received just like the lamb of Calvary. He has to be received. They had to eat this lamb. They had to consume this lamb. Hey, listen, just because Jesus died for you, that alone is not gonna get you to heaven. And what I mean by that, the death of Christ and Jesus fulfilled salvation, but you have to receive it, amen? Just because he died for the whole world doesn't make the whole world saved. They've got to receive the lamb. They've got to let him come on the inside just like this lamb went on the inside of these. The lamb of God has to come on the inside of our heart and our life. We have to be willing to receive the lamb. Amen. Someone asked the question one time. I read it somewhere. Where that a man once asked a Christian this question to explain how that blood can cleanse sin. And the Christian asked the man to explain how that water can quench thirst. And the man said to the Christian, he said, well, I don't know how water can quench a thirst, but I just know that it does. And the Christian said to the man, I can't explain how that blood can cleanse sin, but I just know that it does, amen? And I wanna tell you this morning, the blood of Jesus Christ, Calvary's Passover lamb, it'll wash away the sin of every sinner that's ever lived in this old sinful world. It doesn't matter how black your heart is. It doesn't matter how deep the sin stains may go. The blood goes deeper than the stains have gone and it'll wash away your sins at Calvary. Amen. I read that little story and I wrote this down. How does the blood cleanse sin? I'll tell you how. Because our blood has sin in it. Amen. And the life is in the blood. And when Adam sinned, his blood got contaminated and all that have passed down from Adam we pass down that same bloodline and sin is in our blood that's why we live and why we die amen we, listen we've got a death sentence on us this morning because sin is running in our veins life is in our veins but sin is in our veins and sin bringeth forth death and so we die and if we die in our sin you know what happens we cannot go to heaven so the only place for us to go is we have to go to hell that God made a way. He knew that we couldn't deliver each other so he sent forth a lamb and that lamb had blood in him not just any blood but he had eternal blood abundant life blood and that blood had no sin in it and that blood was sacrificed at Calvary and that blood was shed and when you get saved you know what happens? That blood is put on the doorpost of your heart and it covers your sin. And when God looks down, he don't see me and he don't see my sin. But thank God he sees the blood. I've been covered by the blood. And thank God the lamb has washed away my sins. Hallelujah. That's why it takes the blood to be saved. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. I want to tell you this morning the preparation. The punishment in verse number 12. Calvary, the place of Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. 
and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. I see the sovereignty in this verse. For he said, for I, talking about the Lord, will pass through the land of Egypt. And in the latter part of that verse, he said, I am the Lord. I see the swiftness in this verse. For God said that he would pass through the land of Egypt. Notice this. He said, this night, God's judgment is swift. His punishment is swift. I see the severity in this verse. He said he would smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both of man and of beast. I want to tell you this morning, when God gets ready to pour out his judgment, when God gets ready to pour out his wrath, it's going to be swift. It's going to be severe. It's going to be sovereign in the fact it will be right. It will be the way that it's supposed to be. And when God pours his judgment out, I want to be sure I've been covered by the blood. Hallelujah. You see, this morning, you may be in church and you may have a baptismal certificate and you may uh, pay tithes. You may, uh, listen, work in the church. You may sing in the choir. You may do a lot of things, but none of them will merit you salvation this morning. Working and working and working will not get you to heaven. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he saved it and the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad the blood has to be applied this morning. And this morning we see the punishment and then we see the protection in verse number 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, thank God, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. What this verse tells me about the blood is that thank God it's sanctified. Amen. It's a token upon the houses where ye are and it saves. Thank God he'll pass over us in the hour of judgment and it secures when he says that he shall not be destroyed. I want to tell you this morning, if you're saved, that's what you have. When you have salvation, you have security of knowing that heaven is yours and that you'll not have to go to hell because the blood has been applied. Amen. Now, I've watched people down through the years. You preach on hell or judgment and you press down and you give an invitation, they'll go to the bathroom or they'll go outside. I'm no fool to that this morning. And I'm not talking about sometimes people have medical problems and I understand they have to get up in the middle of a service. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're preaching church member or visitor and the Holy Ghost, you can see conviction on them. They get real fidgety. Amen. You know it's not their overactive bladder. Amen. You know it's not because they're taking medicine that makes them go. No, it's not a bladder problem. It's a heart problem. And you may fool everybody in the building. You ain't fooling the preacher this morning. When the invitation comes and you beeline to the bathroom or you beeline outside, I know what it is and you might as well recognize it. It's it's old time Holy Ghost conviction, amen? Maybe you pinch the baby, amen? Or you flip the baby so it'll cry so you can get the baby up and get outside. Now probably be a baby cry while I'm preaching. Listen, or give an invitation. But listen, I'm talking about people will do anything to try to shake that conviction off of them. They'll run anywhere. They'll have to get up because they gotta get away from it. 
I tell you, I want to stay in a church uh, where conviction's still heavy. Amen. I want to stay in a church where sinners squirm uh, under the sound of the gospel when they're not saved. Amen. I always pray that people feel welcome, but I pray that none of us ever feels comfortable in the house of God uh, because when you get comfortable, you go to sleep. Amen. I'm just telling you this morning, uh, there's a heaven to gain. Uh, there's a hell to shine. Uh, and you better make sure this morning you've been washed in the blood uh, and that the Calvary's lamb of Passover has been applied to your life this morning. I tell you, I've been burdened. I, I've been burdened. It's not just in our church. I see it in every church. But I'm gonna tell you, it's in our church. It's the day we're living in. We are in the final rows of harvest time. We are gleaning what we're doing. Why, 10 years ago, you could preach the gospel. We used to have five or six or seven people saved a month. Uh, listen, people walk down and get saved, and you preach the gospel, and hey, that's a low number compared to 25 years ago. I'm gonna tell you where we're at today. You can pour your heart out, preach the gospel, quote scripture, and preach with a burden and, and pray. And listen, you can, you can pray your head off today. Friend, we're preaching to a generation. They've been so distracted by everything else. They're so desensitized. It's hard to get their attention this morning. I wonder how many people sitting in this building, I really have your undivided attention right now. Now, I've not seen anything this morning. It looks like you're looking at me. I hope you're listening to me rather than looking at me. And more so, I hope you're listening to him rather than listening to me. God has a message he wants to tell you this morning. He has something he wants to say to you personally this morning. What is it? And if you need to be saved, friend, you need to wake up and smell the coffee this morning. You don't have forever and a day to get born again. The door of time is closing. And if you tell God no today, it may be the last time you ever tell him no again. You may drop off into hell without God. I tell you, listen, I, I don't know how this thing's gonna wind out, but by the grace of God, whether it's a house full or a handful, I plan on preaching the gospel, preaching Calvary, preaching hell, preaching the second coming, preaching the rapture, preaching it all as much as we can. We may only see some here and some there get saved, but we gotta, listen, we gotta heed the warning and we gotta sound the alarm in these last days. You ought to pray for your children. I'm telling you, it's different now. I've watched it. Used to, you preached, and they, you preached the gospel, gave an invitation, they came broken, you prayed with them, they got saved. But I'm gonna tell you where we're living at today. It takes a lot more time dealing with people now. I used to say years ago, well, you don't gotta take your Bible and show them, just, just pray with them. If, and if they're under deep conviction, that's all you have to do. But I'll tell you, we're dealing with generations now that it's like people out west and people up north, preachers I've talked to, nowadays they got a lot of questions and they don't have answers and they don't have the background that most of the people sitting in this church has had this morning. And so sometimes uh, you're not gonna just get it all covered in an invitation. You're gonna have to, and I'm not for taking them off in a room and leading them through a prayer and letting them sign a card. You know what I'm talking about. I tell you, there's some folks nowadays, uh, you're gonna have to go sit down with them and take your King James Bible because they don't know anything about salvation. And one sermon, sometimes I've seen them under such conviction and they really didn't even know what to do with it, amen? And you just gotta take the Bible and take them through the Romans road and show them clearly how to be saved. It's why I don't think you gotta do that, preacher. It doesn't make no difference to me. 
Because when I get through dealing with somebody, the most important thing dealing with them is not that I got them to pray the way I wanted them to. I want them to get up knowing they're saved. Amen. If they come down here and they're not sure, I'm just not going to lead them through a little old prayer to get up and say that somebody got saved. I'd rather send them home. I'd rather go talk to them a little longer. I tell you, I want them to have peace, don't you? I just feel this morning that there's no doubt. There's somebody here this morning. I believe the Holy Ghost put this in my soul and I believe it on the authority of this book. I'm not running on feelings this morning. I really believe this morning that, that there's somebody sitting here and you know you're lost and you know you need to be saved but you're hanging on to your good works and you're hanging on to your good deeds and, and you're working yourself and you're doing everything you can. I'm here to tell you, friend, you're gonna bust hell wide open if you don't turn loose every bit of that and swallow that pride and come to this altar and get saved this morning. You're going to have to get honest about yourself. A lot more things here in this text, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to quit here in just a moment because I really feel this morning you're gonna, you can't shake that. You don't need to shake that conviction off this morning. You don't need to hold on to, and I'm, not, I'm real careful about what I'm about to say. I, I'm not one to just cast doubts on people's professions. It can cause a lot of confusion. But I'm telling you this morning, if all you have is a profession and there's never been a change on the inside, then you need to be saved. And you're going to have to come to the conclusion that you need to be saved. I can't convince you of that. You're, you're, nobody around you can convince you of that. I'm going to tell you, it's going to take the work of the Holy Ghost to put you in the hot seat, friend. Trouble the waters of your soul, your heart, and pull the scales off your eyes and let you say, oh, my soul, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. This morning, there's people that's come to the altar, that, I, and I'll just be honest with you, Brother Laddie, I... I wasn't trying to play the Holy Spirit, but, but I knew when they came, it was doubts. I've seen God in their life. I've seen, and I know that the, it's just a tempter. And I wouldn't tell them that, but I've tried to help guide them through some scriptures and pray with them and, and let them get it settled because you could just knew they were saved. And then there's people, I'm going to tell you, they're some of the finest church members you'll ever pastor. But here's the thing. There's no life in them. There's no life. They look for more reasons to get out of church than to get in church. They ain't got no life in them. They got everything right. They ain't got no life. And they're miserable. And they, they're the kind of people, if you wrote them a check for $1,000, they'd have a complaint about it. Well, you know, he, he boy, he's got poor penmanship, but... Thank you for the $1,000. I mean, they're just never, ever, never, ever happy. They make everybody around them miserable. And I'm going to tell you what they need. They need a good old-fashioned dose of Holy Ghost salvation. Brother, salvation will put a smile on you. I'm not telling you I get up singing every morning. I get up some mornings and I don't know which way's which. But I'm going to tell you, salvation put joy in your heart. Serving Jesus is not a burden. I, when you're saved, you don't have to always be so busy to keep your mind off of everything else. 
When you're saved, I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a, I'm going to tell you, and you know what I'm talking about when I make this statement. There's a peace that words cannot even describe. There's a deep, settled peace that even when you don't know how things are going to turn out, you just have peace. I'm not telling you I don't ever worry. I'm not telling you I don't ever fret. I'm not telling you I don't struggle with things. But I am telling you, I made four professions of faith. I go back to the one that I believe where I got saved at. But I was a bus kid. I, I didn't know. I didn't know the Romans road. I didn't know John three. I didn't know what. I didn't know what the word salvation meant. I couldn't explain none of that. And I tell you, if I allowed the devil to get on my shoulders, he could really play a doubt game. You know, I know I'm saved this morning. Two reasons. Number one, he keeps a record. Number two, I got peace. I ain't worried about going to hell. A day since July 1st, 1988, I haven't worried about going to hell. You could preach on hell this morning. I might get a burden for sinners. I might get, but, but I don't have to worry about going to hell no more. And I'll tell you a third reason. I got life this morning. Hey, somebody living on the inside. He talks to me. Doesn't he talk to you? When I do wrong, he tells me when I do wrong. When I think about doing wrong, he tells me. He chastens me when I do wrong. He's took me to the woodshed. I tell you, there's times he's whipped me and I knew the very second I was getting a whipping and, a child, and I tell you, nobody likes chastening. But I tell you, it just lets me know I'm a son and that I belong to him. The Lord scourgeth everyone whom he loveth and I've not always been perfect, but I got the marks, amen, to let me know he's scourged me, he's whipped me, he's reminded me, he's walked beside me. Can you testify to that? He's carried me, he's picked me up, he's comforted me, he's consoled me, he's He's whispered to me. He's, he's got my attention. He's held my hand. Can you say amen to that? I mean, all of these things. I love the word of God, don't you? I love the preaching. I love the teaching. I'm not telling you I love it like I should all the time, but there's something on the inside that connects with that book. It connects with the songs. I love the brethren, amen? I'd rather be here to be at a ball game, wouldn't you? In fact, if I was at a ball game, I'd be miserable. You know why? Because I'd be looking over my shoulder every second wondering when that baseball is going to hit me right between the eyes like that rock hit Goliath amen because I wasn't in the house of God I'm telling you when you're saved it makes a difference hallelujah sometimes people question where you stand and what you believe but it doesn't shake me this morning because the old account was settled long ago I'm not a great prayer prayer person but I have seen the Lord answer prayer and that's a mark of being saved isn't it how about you this morning as they get us a song ready Calvary the place of the Passover I want to tell you something sinner you better have more than religion to go to heaven I, I, I'm tell you I didn't plan to preach that vein this morning but I really think the Holy Ghost is trying to zero in on somebody's soul this morning do you know that you're saved.